All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to see if this is going to work here. Hang on just a second. There, this, this here, you notice this is new. This is, um, I, I made this two, a little over two years ago for my daughter's wedding. Um, was up on the stage, you know, where they were standing to get married and stuff. And we actually, are we up there? Yes. <laughs> Rachel, who is here, and Josh, who actually moved over to the piano today, um, got engaged Friday. Woo! We're, we're very... Uh, I know that's enough family pictures, right? I said in the first service, I won't show any more pictures. I have a video here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was very exciting for us, our, our, our youngest getting engaged. We couldn't be happier. Um, Rachel is such a, an amazing person. Um, both of them have an incredible love for Jesus. Just very, very exciting. My first thought was, oh, by the way, they're engaged, okay? That means not married. So we are still going to say for a while, shine for Jesus and don't have sex, okay? We're just going to keep saying that until they're married, and then it's allowed, but until then. And I had some people look at me funny, and I said, okay, I warned you a couple weeks ago, we're in a series on marriage. This is PG. It's not G, okay? So if the eyebrows raise and stuff, that's, uh, that's okay. But I, when I first thought, oh, they're getting engaged Friday, it's like, oh, well, my series, I'm talking about fighting, today, but maybe that's not such a bad thing. We're in a series on from this day forward is what we've called it. This is not a series just for married people. It's not a series just for single people. If you are married, you will find stuff in here that you need to have a better relationship. If you are single, you will find stuff in here that you need for a potential future relationship. And if there's not one of those, it will still make you a better person. Remember last week we talked about seeking God. In fact, um, there's five things we're going to cover. Last week, in your, if you have a, a worship folder, there's uh, notes in here that you can follow along. Last week we talked about seeking God. And it, it's all about our, the, our, my wife is not my one. She's not the one. She's my two. God is my one. And if you're married, you are seeking the one with your two. If you're not married, if you're single and looking, or even if you're single and not looking, you, you seek the one while you're preparing for the two in case he brings that person along. But the most important thing was being and becoming who you need to be. That was seeking God we talked about last week. This week, we're talking about fighting fair, and we'll get into that in a little bit of detail today. Next week um, is definitely PG. Next week, we're talking about having fun. We'll try to keep it PG, not PG-13, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> number four, or the fourth week, we're going to talk about staying pure. And then number five, kind of a cornerstone of all this, never give up. Never give up. And we're going to cover all these extensively. But before I jump in, there are, um, there's a couple of important verses. These are not on the screen. They're not on your outline, but I need to share these with you. But the first one comes with a little bit of a, cave, a caveat, a, a, a warning. I'm, guys, guys, pay attention here. Don't say amen. I like it when people respond and, and, and kind of help me preach, you know. On this one, I'm, this is just a friendly warning just listen and don't say anything. In Proverbs twenty-seven fifteen, 
He writes, A quarrelsome woman is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Don't say it. You'll regret it later. Just, just let it flow through. But you can picture that. Drip, drip, drip. That's, that, there's actually a number of verses like that that talk about that. that, that the, the quarrelsome woman, the one who's always doing this, you know, the nagging, the drip, drip, drip. That's not a good thing. But I, ladies, I don't want you to feel left out. You've heard this verse, right? It is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. You've heard that verse, right? That's 4th Timothy 8.30, I think. I'm not sure. That's not in the Bible, but it should be. It should be because there's plenty of that going on. Not the hemorrhoids. The husband who is a jerk, you know. So I'll ask a question today. How many of you in here today are married? Okay. All right. Good number of them. How many of you are married and you have had a fight? Can I see your hands? Okay. Don't raise your hands on this. How many of you had a fight on the way to church even? <laughs> that seems to be a, a common theme. In fact, in the first service, there was a number of people that, that, that raised their hands. They had a fight on the way to the church. And, I, and, and it's like, well, I noticed you're not sitting with your spouse. <laughs> Is that <laughs> significant somehow? Julie and I got into a fight the other day. And she came crawling back on her hands and knees. <laughs> she came crawling back on her hands and knees and said, Get out from under that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that didn't happen. She wanted me to let you know that was not true. That's a joke. But the reality is, all couples fight. If, if, If I ask you, you're a couple, I ask you, do you fight? And you say no, then we have to have another discussion about lying. Because the truth is, everybody fights. Here's, here's what you need to know, though. Healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples work for resolution. Unhealthy couples press for victory. They just want to win. And so what we want to do is we, want to, we know we're going to fight. We want to figure out how to do it correctly. John Gottman did a lot of studies, wrote a book on marriage, very good, but um, he studied marriage. He studied a large number of couples for 16 years, watched them, watched what they do, interacted with them. They were a big part of everything for 16 years. And here's what he said. He can watch a couple fight for five minutes and determine with 91% accuracy if they're going to divorce. He watches how they fight. It's not if you fight, it's how you fight. That's what's most important. We're going to take a couple verses today and we're just going to kind of take this passage and and open it up and kind of break it down so that you can see what God has to say about this. And one of my favorite passages in James is James 1, um, starting in 19 and 20. Verse 19 and 20, it says this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak. See, you did that pretty good. First service was like really slow coming in with the speak thing. And I said, you're supposed to be um, slow to speak unless the pastor's asking you to speak. And then it can be a little bit quicker. But everyone needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So we're going to break this down a little bit because this is kind of, this is a version of God's rules for fighting fair. God didn't say, if you're a married couple, don't fight. 
You know, if you're in a relationship, don't fight. He didn't say that. He's talking about fighting fair. So we're going to look at three things from this passage and figure out how that can help us today and this week in our relationships. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, it says, stop to listen carefully. Stop to listen carefully. He said in verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen. We need to be quick to listen. Now, in our culture, that's becoming, it's always been difficult. It's becoming increasingly hard to do because there's so many distractions. You've seen it, two people talking, and one of them is doing this. Are you listening? Yes. Do you hear what I said? Yes. <laughs> no, they didn't. They hear every fifth word as they're misspelling the words that they're texting, but that's a whole other series that we're going to do. Um, you're only half listening. And too often, we're, we're engaged in other things, and we're not really listening, especially when there's a fight going on. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But it's very important that we be quick to listen. Here's what Proverbs 18.2 says about it. A fool, now just, you know, when you read that, the first two words of that verse, you don't want to be that. You know, we don't jump up and say, oh, what does a fool do? I want to do that. Okay, listen to what a fool does. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. So we don't want to be that, but how often are we that? In the middle of a fight, the most important thing is to get across our point. Because in an unhealthy relationship, it's more important to win the victory than it is to have restoration. And so we're not really listening. What we're doing is we say something and then we start to listen, but something is said that either ticks us off or reminds us of something or we think of something good. And now we're not listening anymore. We're thinking about what we're going to say. That's how you get the good comebacks. You don't listen. You think about what you're going to say next. And the relationship is never resolved. The problem is never resolved. There's no reconciliation because all you're doing is fighting. So I've, I, I learned a couple things. Unfortunately, I haven't learned them as well as I should, and I'm still learning them. But here's two things that will help you in, in listening carefully. When, when you're engaged in a conversation because there's an argument going on, repeat back what the person says. And in order to do that, you have to listen. Listen to what they say and then say, here's what I heard you say, and say it back. It does two things. It lets them know you were listening because you said it. It helps you to listen better and get it because not only have you heard it now, you've said it. You may also have heard it incorrectly. And when you say, now here's what I hear you saying, and you repeat it back and they say, that's not what I said. And they tell you what they said, you realize, oh, I guess I wasn't listening as well as I thought. So repeat back what the person says. And then uh, this is a big one. The second one is a big one, especially for guys. We need to be able to do this with integrity. As you're listening, you're repeating back what they're saying. We need to be able to say with integrity, I understand why you would feel this way. You're not acknowledging all the facts. You're not saying everything is 100% this or that. You're saying this. I am hearing what you're saying. I love you. I don't want you to feel that way, but I understand why you would feel that way. That will help lead to the resolution. So what we're doing is we're listening carefully. And if you don't do that, the rest of the argument is not going to go well. And most of us in here could speak to that from experience. So we have to, as it says in James, stop to listen carefully. We need to be quick to listen. And then the second thing, if you're taking notes, guard your words faithfully. Guard your words faithfully. It says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. 
That doesn't mean you talk slow. <laughs> it means that you listen carefully and your main thing is not to jump in. Your main thing is to listen and be slow to speak. Proverbs puts it very bluntly. Proverbs is a very blunt book. If you want to have a good time, there's 31 chapters. Most months, not all, have 31 days. Read one a day, one proverb, one, one chapter a day. Some of the stuff in there is so incredibly practical for everyday life. But I love the way the New Living Translation puts verse 23. It's so blunt. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. It's not mincing any words here. Watch your tongue. That means watch what you say. Keep your mouth shut. You say, I can't watch my tongue if I'm keeping my mouth shut. Okay, you missed the whole point, all right? It just means keep your trap shut and you'll stay out of trouble. How many times can you look back and think of the trouble you were in and said, yep, if I wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't be in the trouble I'm in today. Keep your trap shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Now, in order to help, some of us struggle with this more than others, okay? We have someone to help us with that. So I want you to pay careful attention to the screen. We have somebody who's going to actually do this, set the music for us, that will help us to understand a little bit better. So watch and listen. the choreography myself. Hey honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. And where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking cause I'm trying to watch the game? If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday I didn't ask you but I knew it'd be okay Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show I taped it over our old wedding video If you're a man who's done that A long and happy life Lives up the place you do so to Solo Okay Your cooking is okay, but not like mother makes The diamond in the ring I bought you is a fake Your eyes look puffy, dear, are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill If <laughs> you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, that too These are the things you don't say to you're a man who doesn't want to get killed with a knife these are the things you don't say to you. Some great words of advice from Tim Hawkins. Okay, what he's saying is watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble, okay? Here's the thing. We get into these, we get into fights, we get into arguments, and there are times when we've listened, but there's something that we just need to say. Here's what you need to do to yourself, not out loud, to yourself, you have to ask two questions. Every time you're in that situation, the first question, should it be said? 
When you ask yourself that question, I w- I'm going to just guess, if you're like me, more often than not, the answer is no. Just don't say it. Keep your mouth shut. I, I, one of the Proverbs says, it, it, it's better to keep your mouth shut and have people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> so you ask the question, should it be said? And if the answer to that question is no, keep your mouth shut. If the answer to that question is yes, then you ask yourself the second question. Should it be said now? Because sometimes, even though it's something that needs to be said, it's something that needs to be discussed in the middle of that argument over that thing is not the right time. You cannot take your words back. We can say it. Oh, I take that back. (laughs) That means nothing. It's no different than, than people, I, I'm gonna, I say this all the time, you guys need to remember, when you put something on Facebook, everybody sees it, me too, everybody sees it, and you can't take it back, it's there forever, so I delete it, it doesn't matter, it's there forever. Everybody has seen it and shared it, and it's all over the place, and, and, and it's just best not to say it, and, and that happens in arguments when we say things, maybe it should be said, but maybe now is not the right time, and we say it, and as soon as we say it, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or sometimes the fight escalates, and we realize, I shouldn't have said that, then it's too late. If it's something that needs to be said, but that's not the time to say it, you need to save it. You need to hold it because some things are better discussed in non-conflict times. It might be an issue that needs to be addressed about the relationship, about you, about the other person. It might be something that needs to be addressed, but not right then. So you find a time when you're not in conflict to discuss that. And, and one of the things you can do is you can just, you can just have it be, this is what we're going to do. When things are going good, I'm going to ask you, Tell me something, tell me two things about me that, are, that I do right. I was going to say three, but that's stretching it. <laughs> it's hard to find. Just two is okay. And then tell me something about myself that is not. You're not in a fight. You're not trying to cause a fight. You're trying to work on your relationship when things are going good. But if it's during the middle of that argument and you're not, if it's something that shouldn't be said now, don't say it. Now you can follow all those rules and you can still end up in a fight. It's because we are sinful people. We, we all have issues, you know. I, I, I say it, I have to say it, I have to think correct, I have to think it and say it correctly because it's easy for me to say it the wrong way. I married a sinner, but Julie married a bigger sinner. And that's why we have arguments. That's why there's issues because we're both broken people. Every relationship is comprised of, of broken people and you can follow all the rules and you're still going to end up in a fight. So I want to give you some rules for fighting. These are good rules for fighting. And if you're married, it's something that you might need to add to yours or implement these and agree on them, memorize them, say, these are the rules. So that in the middle of the fight, the middle of a fight is not the time to make up a rule. You know, in a boxing match, somebody goes, you're not allowed to do that. Let's make up that rule. It's too late. The hit happened. You make these up ahead of time. If you're dating, if you're hoping to be dating, if you're engaged, this is a great time, Josh and Rachel, to set some rules <laughs> to set some rules up for the relationship and say, we know we're going to fight. We know that's going to happen. Here's the rules. We both agree on them. We both memorize them. Here's what we agree on. So um, these are in your notes. Write these down. These are very good. The first one, never call names. 
When you're in that argument, when it, never call names. Now, if it's like, you know, Snooky Poo or something, I, that's different, all right? I'm saying when you're in the argument and things are bad, calling names will never lead to resolution. It will always lead to more conflict. So you never call names. Not ever a good thing. Number two, never raise your voice. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but they're raising their voice. And if I don't raise mine, they won't hear me. It's like, you know what? If you're both yelling, nobody's hearing anything anyhow. Here's what I've learned. I learned this working with youth and kids for for decades. Your authority does not increase with your volume. Your right or wrongness does not increase. Nothing except bad increases with your volume. So never call names and never raise your voice. Because it doesn't lead to anything good. You just don't do it. The third thing, never get historical. I did not spell that incorrectly, okay? You might get hysterical, that's okay. But never get historical. That means in the middle of, we're arguing about this thing right here. Oh, you remember in 1962 when you did this? Never leads to anything good. Never go back. That's not what you're arguing about. That's not what you're trying to find resolution on. Hopefully, if it happened in 1962, you've dealt with it, and it's been resolved already. If it's not, that's one of those things that maybe should be said, but not right now. Do it at a different time. So don't get historical. That never leads to resolution. It never leads to reconciliation. It might help you win, but here's the truth. If you win, you lost. That's how it works. So never call names, never raise your voice, never get historical. And I know this sounds like a contradiction. Never say never. I know I just said it a bunch of times. In the argument, never say never or always. Because it's almost never true. It's almost always untrue. You never do this. You always do that. That's not true or you'd be fighting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some of you say, well, we are. (laughs) So then write these rules down and maybe it will help. Never say never or always. That's not going to solve what you're looking for is resolution for what's happening right now. You need to get through that. If there's other things to work on, you work on those at another time. The next one, the fifth one, very, very important. Julie and I agreed on this early on. This is something that we know the Bible says God hates divorce. We know he says that. Does it happen? Yes, it happens. But God hates it. So here's what you decide with your spouse. Never threaten divorce. You say, you know what? That's off the table. What God put together, let man not take apart. It's off the table. Threatening it will not bring resolution. Ever. All it will do is cause more conflict. So you never call names. You never raise your voice. You never get historical. You never say never or always. You never threaten divorce. And the sixth one, very important, never quote your pastor during a fight. Okay? (laughs) You're fighting and one of you says, yeah, but remember when Tim said this, keep me out of it. (laughs) You got yourself into it. You get yourself out of it. I don't need those phone calls, okay? (laughs) Just deal with it. So we stop to listen carefully. We guard our words faithfully. And then the third one, handle your anger righteously. In James, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Did he say not to get angry? He said, be slow to become angry because your anger, man's anger, our anger, does not accomplish God's purposes in our life. He does not say don't get angry. 
You see, if you want a great relationship, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to realize and decide that some things you're going to have to let it go. I'm not going to break into song. Don't worry. (laughs) There are some things you just have to let go. You look at those things and you start to think and then you say, this isn't worth it. There are some things that are just not worth it. And so you decide that's not worth it. I'm not going there. The relationship is more important than that. And you figure out how to let those things go. Because the truth is we married people who were broken. Each person married someone who was broken. And there are things you are going to have to let go. You're not going to change them anyhow. God can. And when you let them go, God can do that. So even when you do that, we know that you're still going to get angry. Everybody knows that. We have that, some people more than others, some people it happens quicker, whatever. Because we're going to get angry, I love what Ephesians 4 has to say. Starting in verse 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say, don't get angry. There's some things that are okay to be angry at, but in the argument, when you get angry, don't sin. There's a line that you can cross. We've talked about a bunch of rules already, you know, just real good relationship rules. When you get angry and cross those lines, you're sinning. You're not bringing about restoration or reconciliation in a relationship. You're only hurting it. So when you get angry, don't sin. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Take care of it quickly. Don't let it go on for days, weeks, months, years. Take care of it right away. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And here's why. Don't give the devil a foothold. That's what your anger used incorrectly and not taken care of in a timely manner does. It does not heal the relationship. It does not help you grow closer to the other person or closer to God. It gives the devil a foothold. Now you say, what's that? Here's what that is. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you are 100% fair game for the enemy, Satan. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have claimed him as your Lord and Savior. You believe that what he did on a cross was for you. You become a child of God. You are indwelt by the Spirit. We've talked about that. That's what gives you the power to be able to do the things you need to do to have the relationship that you want to have. When you're a follower of Jesus and you have that Spirit in you, you can't be indwelt by Satan. He can't take you over. Here's how I explain it. In your mind, picture a map of the United States. Great big United States, you know, still fairly powerful, okay? Now, off the tip of Florida, I want you to picture little Haiti, little country of Haiti there. You know what Haiti's like, you know? It's, It's impoverished except for a few, you know, ports that you can go to and stuff. Not much happening there. What chance does Haiti have of taking over the United States? It ain't going to happen. But you know what they could do? They could train a couple guerrilla warfare people. They could send them over to Miami. And they could establish this little beachhead in the neighborhood of Miami. And they're never going to take over the United States. But they can cause trouble. Run their little raids from their headquarters. Do their little damage. That's a foothold. A beachhead. They're never going to take over the country, but they're going to do damage. If you're a follower of Jesus, Satan is never going to completely take over. But what he can do is establish those footholds in your life. So you say, well, what does that mean? That means you're angry 
and you let the sun go down on your anger and you let it build up and pile up, you just gave Satan a foothold. And he's going to run these little assaults into other areas of your life. And it's like, wow, how did that happen? It happened because you didn't do what it said. It's very important. Now, when it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, that means take care of it before you go to bed. For me, sometimes that's meant I haven't slept for five days. <laughs> and that might be what it is for you too. Sometimes it's because when I don't let go of that, God's not going to let me sleep for days. Now, you, you who are married couples, you understand this. Not, not all people get this until you get married. There is a fighting position that you assume when you let the sun go down on your anger. You go to bed and you're mad. It's called back to back. You're on one side as close to the edge without falling off as you can be. The other person is on the other side, facing the other direction, as close as they can be without falling off, and you are back to back. And there's usually, I have discovered, not not because I've observed, but that would be creepy. I've discovered there there are two types of people that do this back to back. One is the silent one, and they will not make a noise. They won't even give you the satisfaction of knowing they're still alive. They will breathe so quietly. The other one, usually there's one of each in a relationship, and the other one is, they, they call them, it's, there's a technical term for it, it's called the huffer. <laughs> we like to say it's the one with the Darth, the Darth Vader voice. <sighs> get up, fight and get up, go to the bathroom, come back, assume the position. <sighs> While the other one's being silent. That's what we do. And it never accomplishes reconciliation. It continues the argument. And what usually happens is it gets to the point where what you end up arguing and fighting over is not what started it. Because so many other things have happened in the meantime and you've gotten historical and you brought other things into it and you've said the always and the never and you've done all those things that that guy in the song said, don't do, you've said those things. And and we have that and all of a sudden we think nothing good is going to come out of this. So it says very carefully, it's okay to be angry, but handle your your anger righteously. Do it correctly. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. So we stop to listen carefully. We guard our words faithfully. And in your anger, don't sin. Here's what we do in our marriage. All of us, here's what we do. We're seeking God. We seek God first in our marriage. So what are we doing? We're praying. We said this last week. One simple thing. You're praying together. Together. Every day. In some capacity. In some way. You're making sure that every day you're praying together every single day. We talked about this last week. And I know some people have been doing it their whole life. Some people just started it. If you just started it, you're going to be tempted to stop it. Don't stop. Just say, you know what? It's who we are. We're going to do this every day so that it becomes such a, a habit, such ingrained, so woven into our DNA that we don't go a day without this happening. It's who we are. And you say, oh, I missed a day or I missed a few days. You know what? Start over. Don't, don't live in the past. We're seeking God. Remember the title of the series, From This Day Forward. It's not about how I screwed up yesterday. It's from this day forward. Here's what we're going to do. So start again. Start seeking God again. And then like we talk about today, you fight fair. Because if you're really continuing to seek God, guess what happens when you get in a fight? 
We say, well, since we know that I'm going to be praying again today, it's kind of hard to fight and pray with somebody. You can't, prayer, when you pray with somebody, it's a very intimate thing as you're sitting down praying with them. In fact, I, t- I tell married couples, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can pray together, but it's very intimate and you never know what it's going to lead to. <laughs> so I tell people who are dating, if you're praying together, do it in public. Don't, don't do it in a place where it could lead to something it shouldn't. It's an intimate thing to talk to the creator of the universe together. And when you're fighting and you know, I'm fighting, but we're going to be praying shortly, it makes it a little bit tougher to pray with somebody that you're fighting with. But it's also hard to be intimate with God when you're living in ongoing bitterness and unforgiveness. You want to be seeking God and your relationship with Him because He's your one. He's the one you're seeking. It's hard to seek Him when you have relationships that aren't what they should be because you're living with bitterness and unforgiveness. And when you do you're you're relationship that is the most important to you at the same time it's hard to do that so when we're fighting we don't react with the sinful flesh okay you know the, that's the the fighting back that's the below the belt stuff that's when you break the rules and you're doing it not for resolution but to win instead because we've been seeking god we learn how to respond by the spirit And there's a huge difference. We don't react in the flesh. We respond by the Spirit. And amazing things can happen. So I I, want to move ahead, but I want to acknowledge something here today. I understand we we try to make this funny because sometimes difficult things are easier to take when they're funny. But I, I need to acknowledge here today, I understand, I acknowledge the complexity of the range of what we have represented here. Journey in our church is a church for all people. We welcome everybody here, and we know that many come here with hurts and struggles, and they're dealing with difficult things, and I understand the the complexity of that and the range of what we've got. I mean, we've got people who their biggest issue was somebody left socks on the floor, you know, or they didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher right. And then we've got the people over here who the the wife walked in and caught her husband um, looking at porn on the computer. Or he caught his wife cheating on her. Or there's abuse going on. And we understand that the relationships in here are all over the place. And I don't want, I don't want you to, to, to think that I'm minimizing that. I don't want to go without acknowledging that. But at the same time, I want you to hear this. If you seek God... It doesn't matter where you're at on that continuum. If you seek God and if you fight fair, I believe the presence of God can bring healing in any relationship. I believe that. He's bigger than your problems. He understands your sin. He understands their sin. He's bigger than all of that. I want to show you briefly as we close here some warning signs. Because I don't know where everybody's at. I want to give you these warning signs. And these are warning signs that if these, too many of these apply to you, you might need to get some help. You might need to get some outside help. You might need to, to, to get down with God and get serious, depending on where you're at. But these are signs. These are four signs that you're not fighting fair. And you're not evaluating the other person. You're evaluating you in this, okay? So in your relationship, if this is what's happening... These are signs you're not fighting fair. I'm just going to give you all four of them and then I'm going to talk about them for just a second. The first one is criticizing. Criticizing. That's the first sign you aren't fighting fair. The second one is contempt. 
Contempt is the second sign. The third one is defensiveness. Defensiveness. And fourth is stonewalling. Now, criticizing contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, these kind of all build on each other. And the first one, criticizing, there's a difference between criticizing and just complaining. Okay, those are two different things. When you're complaining, as an example, you would say, hey, you told me you were going to do this and you didn't do it. I wish you would have done that. That's complaining. Criticizing is you never do what you said you were going to do. That's criticizing. Now, you may feel at that moment that it's true, but it's really not. They're not 100% bad. They might be 95% bad, but they're not 100% bad. And when you start to criticize, when you find that in your marriage, when there is consistency of a critical spirit, that's the beginning of danger signs, and you need to hear that. If that becomes the norm, because criticism doesn't stay there. Criticism leads to contempt, contempt that's the disgust you know you just you're it's contempt it even sounds like it's disgust it's the eye rolling it's the sarcasm against somebody there's that you don't say it out loud maybe but inside you're thinking you know i just don't really even like the person that i'm with and of course this is all about me being happy so i need to do this and this and this and we we snowball this all in our mind When you're seeing these signs, these are not signs for you to hightail it out and run. These are signs for you to realize there's an issue that needs to be addressed here and we need some help. Now, that's a marriage relationship. If you're in a dating relationship and you have too many of these signs, it may be the signal to hightail it out of there and run. In a marriage relationship, it's we might need some help here because the criticism moves to contempt, but the contempt doesn't stay there either. It moves to defensiveness. I see this all the time, like almost every week. I talk to people that are having trouble and and the guy will say this. The guy will come up to him and he'll say, it's all her fault. It's all her fault. She does this, 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 this. It's all her fault. And I talk to her. Guess what she says? It's all his fault. He has the spiritual gift of being an idiot. It's all his fault. He's doing all of it. Here's the thing. I've, uh, I've learned this from talking to hundreds of couples. It takes two. Nobody's 100%. I've never seen anybody 100% wrong. I've seen a few 95% wrong, but the other one is still 5% wrong. It always takes two. So the criticism leads to contempt. That leads to defensiveness. And finally, it's stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you say either inside to yourself or to the other person, I'm done. I don't care what you're saying. I'm done. And when it gets to that, is that the end? No. But it's a really strong warning sign that you need help. If you're seeing these things in your relationship, what you're doing is you're fighting against each other. You're supposed to be a team. So don't fight against each other. Seek him. Seek God together, fight fair, and fight against the real enemy. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual things. It says if it's flesh and blood, it's not the enemy. The person you're looking at that you're really mad at, they're not the enemy. There is an enemy that wants to take your relationship down. That's who you need to fight against. Fight against anything the enemy brings, but fight for your marriage. That's how we do it. 
It says in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. It doesn't say overcome evil by being more evil. It doesn't say, yeah, well, they did this, so I'm going to do this. You did this, I'm threatening this. That's trying to overcome evil with evil, and it never works. It will never heal the relationship. We overcome evil with good. We don't want it to overcome us. We want the relationship to heal. Here's what the Bible says. With Christ, all things are possible. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt because God said it. With Christ, all things are possible. With Christ, any marriage can be healed. With Christ, your marriage can be healed. It is not beyond hope. God can make it into, I don't care how it started. I don't care about all the past. We're talking from this day forward. We can seek God and fight fair and watch what he can do in that relationship because God wants that to happen today. Let's pray. Father, I know there's a lot of people in here today that are struggling with um, some big things, some little things. I know that some came in here with pain that we can't even imagine. But I also know, Father, that you're a big God. I know that you have everything we need to have the lives that you want us to have. And you want to do that through us. So, Father, I know there's people here today who they have never met you personally. They, they, they think they get the church thing with the, the rules and the religion and the regulation and the requirements and all that garbage. But they don't know what it is to have a personal relationship with you through Jesus. My prayer, Father, is that this morning they would realize that's their first need. That's what you brought them in here for. And they don't have to understand it all. They just have to know that in simple faith, if they believe and receive, they believe that you sent your son, Jesus. He, he was born of a virgin. We celebrated at Christmas. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross not to pay for his own sins because he didn't have any. But our Savior, Jesus, died to pay for our sins. What we have done, what we have thought, what we have said. That he died to pay for those because we know the wages of sin is death. That by believing you sent him for us, by receiving what Jesus did on the cross as payment for our sins, we can become children of God. We can have freedom and forgiveness from our past, regardless of, of how deep the darkness was. That we can have meaning and purpose in life today and a hope for the future because of Jesus. And Father, my prayer is that if anybody here has not ever experienced that, that in simple faith they would turn to you recognize that, say, I don't understand it all, but I'm believing and I'm placing my life in your hands. I'm turning it over to you. And that today would be the beginning of, of an abundant new life for them. And for those here, Father, that know you, that we still struggle with those relationships because of our sinful natures, my prayer is that we would take your word to heart, that we would look at those, those scriptures, that we would look at those rules and we'd say, we're going to make that a part of our lives so that as we're seeking God, we're going to fight fair. And we're going to watch those relationships improve. Father, thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the final song.